okay, got an idea for you. Pick an artist, pick a producer, pick a film, say, I'm working for them this year. Well, that's exactly what Christy Young's did, and it worked out for her. She's got number one on Billboard, plenty more to come. We're going to talk about exactly that coming up. All right, welcome back. I'm Adam Claremont. This is the Adam Claremont Show, where we talk about building and growing your business in audio, talking about actionable tips you can put into place today to help grow your business. You know, it's about experiences for myself and some others. But before we dive into the guest today, I just want to give you this free gift. Go to adamclaremont.com slash client list. I've got a free PDF guide for you. It just outlines steps that you can take to go after the clients that you're really looking at, the projects that you're looking at going, man, I don't even know where to begin to get those. I want to up my game. Well, here's a list for you that you can take step by step by step, simple baby steps and how to get there. So free gift, adamclaremont.com slash client list. Would love for you to have it. All right, enough of that. Let's talk to our guest. I'm really, really excited today. We've got a songwriter and artist out of Los Angeles, California, Krista Youngs. And Krista has songwriting credits with some big artists like uh, BTS, for example, songs Home, which went to number one, as well as On, which hit number four on Billboard. No small feat there. Uh, She's worked with Twice, Marshmallow, plenty of others. As an artist, she's got her own songs that have charted on Billboard and received placements on MTV's The Real World, ESPN, and Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Her latest single, Love Me, was just dropped before this interview was released, and you can find that on all streaming platforms now. Krista, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks for having me. Wow, I feel feel like a superstar. You just did a really great intro. Ah, there we go. Well, we got to get the (laughs) egos going, right? Yeah. I love it. (laughs) I <laughs> feel good. Well, I mean, you've earned it. I mean, that's that's quite a list of accomplishments. You know, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Thank you. Been working hard. Um, yeah. So just to <laughs> kind of let everybody know, um, you know, aside from being uh, a world-class fly in the wall, funny story, I logged into our, our chat a little bit early, not realizing what time we were starting. She wasn't here. So I started doing other work and I'm just pen to the paper and checking emails. And then I look up to another screen and there you were just watching me for God knows how long. So. I've always wanted to be a fly on the wall. I've always oh, wanted that. scared the crap out of me. Yeah. But, um, but we met uh, through an artist that we both worked with recently on a track. Um, and I just feel like so fortunate because, you know, um, you know, this artist name is Vince Palmieri, guy I've been working with for a while. And, um, you know, we've been working with a songwriting team called Artisanals who you know, Krista, and I, sure do. I believe, yeah, I believe uh, Noah and Benny both recommended you at events to work on this track, and you did some top line with them and some lyrics, and man, you knocked it out of the park. It was so much fun to hear back your ideas Thank uh, you. before we started tracking. I can't wait till it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows when? I don't actually know, but it'll be out eventually. We'll let you know. We'll tag you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's kind of what where you're at. You know, you got the artist thing going, you're doing a lot of songwriting. Uh, why don't you do me a favor? Could you just let everybody know, maybe just a brief intro of like, you know, where you started and, you know, to to end up working with, you know, amazing people. I started in my mother's vagina. And once I got out of that, oh. I uh, <laughs> once I was out of that, um, I grew up in Michigan, grew up in Flint, Michigan. And then I moved to Boston and went to Berkeley College of Music. And once I graduated from Berkeley, I was in a wedding band and a cover band for a couple of years. And then I moved to Nashville. 
and I was in Nashville for a year and a half, and I hadn't really done a whole lot of co-writing before I moved to Nashville. Um, but once I got there, uh, my fiance at the time, I was engaged. We are no longer engaged, um, but we're still very good friends. He was like, you're really good at writing songs. You should write with other people. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to write for other people. I'm an artist. I just want to write my own songs. And he was like, you should really think about it. Yeah. And so I thought about it for like 24 hours. And then I just went balls deep into it and started doing writing sessions almost every day, writer's rounds, playing my songs out. And I did that for a year and a half. I'd never just sat with a guitar and sang my own songs before. So that was like a learning experience. Um, And I was terrified, but I did it. And then... Uh, at the end of that, I was like, I, I don't want to stay in Nashville. I wasn't really, I had just got, had done a side project with a, a friend of mine. And I, we got on the radio in Nashville and I said, great, my job here is done. And then I moved to LA. <laughs> I broke, my fiance and I broke up. We moved to LA together. Um, we're still very good friends. He's awesome. He's still, he mixed my last single for me, mixed and mastered oh, cool. it. Um, and I moved to LA and within a week of being in LA, I met my mentor, David Quinones and I started doing sessions with him um, all the time. And then it was just three years of one, two sessions a day, broke as hell, trying to figure out how to, you know, make money uh, in music. And then three and a half years later, I figured it out. And there you go. So, And that's the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> all right. That's right. That's Krista. You can find yeah. her at. Yeah. And you can do it, too. You know, like anyone, everyone that has a dream can do it. It's just you have to go through, you know, maybe you don't have to go through those steps. But I had to go through those steps of figuring out what city was the right fit for me and then figuring out that I was worth something. And once I figured that out, then the money came. That's cool. You said a lot of really interesting things right there. I mean, it's not always a linear path, right? No. Unfortunately. For me, it wasn't. Sometimes it can be, but for me, it wasn't. I had to do a lot of, of searching and experimenting and figuring out exactly, you know, and I'm still doing that now. I just have more credit. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. So, so LA was never really like, it wasn't like that was always the place for you. It was just, a, just, that was the next place. I think subconsciously it was because when I was at Berkeley, I talked to a psychic and she's like, you're going to move to LA. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So <laughs> when I was going to college, I used to give college tours to people and they would ask me what I was going to do after college. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to move to LA. And then I got like scared to go there. So I just went to Nash. I made a pit stop in Nashville, but I'm so glad I did. Cause I made really great friends and I learned a lot about songwriting while I was there. So I think it helped a lot coming into LA as a Nashville songwriter. Yeah. Well, so since you have perspective on both places, I mean, Nashville definitely has the street cred of being the place to write a song. Do you think, you know, but, but now being in LA and working with LA songwriters as well. I mean, I'm sure you're working with songwriters everywhere. You don't need to be anywhere to work with anyone at this point, I guess, right? But what, what's your perspective on Nashville writing versus LA writing or how those sessions go? I was in Nashville about eight years ago, so it was a long time. But when I was in Nashville, when I would do sessions with people, we would go into a room with a guitar or a piano. We would write a song in a couple of hours, and then we would take our iPhones out and just make a quick recording of it, and that would be the demo. So when I moved to LA and I started doing sessions with DQ, he was like, just hop on the mic and, you know, here's the track, just hop on the mic and lay down some melodies. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he was like, just go in there and lay down some melodies. And I was so scared because I, I didn't know what the hell was going to come out and I'd never done that before. Mm. And so 
by the end of our sessions, we had a finished record that was like ready to go to radio. And I was like, oh my God, people do it like that here? That's amazing. And then I've never looked back really. I mean, Mm. you know, I still do the write with piano or write with guitar, but by the end of the session, like it's recorded like professionally. Yeah. So you're saying, you know, you're walking out like it's produced, like it's not just a piano or guitar, like there's layers, there's a lot of thought and arrangement going on. I mean, it can be a piano and guitar, but it's actually recorded and not on an iPhone. You know what I mean? So (laughs) it was just like I had a finished thing to take to somebody. So Mm. that was really cool for me. Um, Also, I think I've learned a lot as far as the songwriting process goes by being in L.A. because of that, you know, getting in front of a microphone and not really thinking about the story as much. In Nashville, it's a lot about the lyrics. It's, It's mostly about the lyrics. And I feel like in L.A. and other places it's more melody focused. And so as much importance as I do put on lyrics, I think it's really important. Melody is just equally as important. And so you can't really, like if you have a great lyric, but it doesn't fit the melody, let's go towards the melody and see if we can write a lyric that fits the melody that's awesome. You know what I mean? So it's just a different way of doing things, which was interesting. Yeah, it's funny to me how there's just sort of like, it's almost and music, like there shouldn't be rules, but it's there's almost rules, it seems like, with songwriting when you look at Nashville and Los Angeles. I've heard that exact same comment multiple times where if you're writing, same artist, same songwriter, writing in Nashville with a group, you're not going to change the lyric yeah. to accommodate the melody. Right. Right? You're going to change the melody to accommodate the lyric versus L.A., same song, same different group of artists or different group of uh, songwriters in yeah. L.A., you're going to change the lyric to make the melody work. Or you're going to write lyrics that make zero sense because it fit, <laughs> like it just feels good and it's not going to tell a, a um, concise story like you would in country songwriting, right? And that's okay yeah. too. Like I've looked at these hip hop records sometimes because I'm I love hip hop music and I like I'm like what are they saying? And then I like look in the lyrics and I'm like I still don't know what you're saying, <laughs> but I don't care. You know what I mean? Because I'm good. like in my car and I'm like yes, but I don't know. You know. So I think it just depends. I think it's really important to have those experiences. Like as a songwriter, go to Nashville. Like even if you don't live there, go there for a couple of weeks and, and, and experience what it, what it's like to write in that city. And then, you know, I've never been to Atlanta, but I'm going this year. I've never written in Atlanta. I want to go there and write because if you have all of these different tools, then once you have them, you can choose which one you want to use. Yeah. Very so, well put. Yeah. Are you working with songwriters and producers in the same room or at the same time? Or is it more like one or the other? Is it a songwriting session and then you bring it to a producer? Or do you, do you find like someone in the room is, is producing it with you? So right now I do a lot of work from home. Um, and so I get tracks sent to me a lot and then I'll just sit here by myself or with someone else. Like I have a writing uh, partner, Julia Ross, and she did the BTS stuff with me. So she'll come over and we'll do it together. And then we'll like, you know, fully vocal produce it and send it back to the producer. Before COVID, um, I was doing a lot of that still. Cause obviously I work with Korea a lot, so I'm not going to be able to be in Korea all the time. Um, but before COVID hit, like sessions will be any, I mean, it depends. I'll be with another writer and, and someone will have sent a track or I'll be in the room with the producer and a writer or it'll just be me with the producer. Like any kind of like sin- situation you can think of, I've done that. So yeah. not any kind of situation, but most situations. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clarify. <laughs> well, so how do you get to the point 
as a sole proprietor, <laughs> someone who's self-employed, what are you doing to keep the calls coming in? Because like you mentioned, it took a few years before things really hit. I, I'm guessing you were working as hard, if not harder before. I mean, you can't just, you know, you don't just coast and all of a sudden it works and okay, now I'll start to work. Like, what are you doing your day to day to just make this work? I think before I started making money, I was working harder in my brain. I don't know if I've actually stopped working, but it feels like it's lighter, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like, I don't spend time. Do you think that's because you're actually uh, working smarter or is it like more a confidence thing where you're not like constantly, you know, second guessing yourself and maybe stressing yourself out as much? Well, probably both, although I will say that I wrote a song by myself the other day and I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to drive up to Mulholland Drive and drive off a cliff because I suck. So I still have <laughs> I still have those moments. But yeah. no, I think <clears throat> for me, do, working really hard for three years with no validation. I mean, validation people would be like, I love what you do. You're amazing. Come in for a meeting. Like, I want to sign you. Blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, I didn't want a publishing deal. Because I'm an only child and I like being, I like working for myself and I don't like having people that I have to, you know, show up for if I don't mm. want to. So I, I was in a, a session with a friend of mine, Maya, and she had written songs for Lil Wayne, Britney Spears. And she was like, I'm making $300 from my ASCAP royalties every couple of months and I'm so sick of it. And I was like, why don't we start charging to write? Because at that point, like up until that point, I was just doing session after session after session after session, and I wasn't charging anything. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm really good. And if I have to go to the grocery store and pick up an apple and say, I want to eat this apple, and I have to go pay for it and take it home in order to eat it, then why is being a songwriter any different? It's not. So that day, we started a company called The Topliners, which we're not doing anymore, but we both have our own, you know, individual business. And we put an ad up on Craigslist and people responded. Some people responded and were like, oh, you really, you're going to charge for songwriting? And I was like, yes. And at that particular time in my life, I was getting really into the law of attraction and manifestation. And I was like, that's fine. They're just not my client. And so the first month, I think both of us made like $3,000. And I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. And <laughs> like, and I enjoyed working more. And I was like, I want to give this person their money's worth and the clients would enjoy what I gave them more because now it had a value. Now they were investing in their music and I was investing in their music and everybody walked away happy. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. And at that particular time, sound better. I don't know if you've heard of sound better, but sound better hadn't, wasn't a thing. And a friend of mine that I went to Berkeley with, uh, he was like, I have this friend who started a company. You should check it out. And I have a lot of Israeli friends, and they're all friends, which is great. Love Jewish people. Shout out to Jewish people. Um, <laughs> and so I, I hit up Shakar, and I was like, hey, I would really like to join your new platform. And so I've been there from the beginning. And I've mm. met awesome people on SoundBetter. SoundBetter also changed my life. I think over the last, like, four, four years, I've made, like, $160,000 just on that site. That's fantastic. That's insane. Yeah. Mm. Now, do I – is it – is it always like that? No. You know, like I, I've done a lot of sessions for free and it just really depends on what it's for. Like, but you have to, I think with any decision that you make as a human being in general, 
even outside of music, you have to ask yourself before you make that decision, does this make me feel good? And if it does make you genuinely feel good, then do it. And if it doesn't, don't do it. And I've been living like that for the last four years and my life has gotten so much better. You know, it's funny. I've said this a lot and I was uh, just recording an interview earlier today and uh, I forgot to even mention this during the interview, but you know, the, the woman said, if you don't have a burning desire to do this, don't do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and to put her, and I say the same thing, like with engineering, and I'm assuming what you just said with songwriting, it's like what, what we do is incredibly difficult. A, it's a difficult art form. And two, it's hard to create and cultivate a sustainable business. Not impossible by any means. Difficult. And for a little while, there's little glory. <laughs> like you mentioned, you know, like the validation doesn't always come cheap or quickly. If you don't ha like have to do these sorts of things, you'd be better off selling insurance or something else and just doing this as a hobby because it can be incredibly frustrating and unvalidating. But to your point too about just I, I love what you said so much about just I'm just going to start charging money because it has value. And I would say you probably immediately got better clients and better partners just because you're charging money because now they – are valuing you more strictly because you've got a price tag. You are, and forget, forget, you know, not to say you're not worth the money, but just forget the, the talent or the quality in general. If you have a shiny car over here and a shiny car over here, that one's $15,000 more than this one, you probably think that one's better just because it's just how we yeah. are, right? Simply put, now now you, you've got the, the, the idea that somebody thinks you're better you're clearly doing a great job, of course they're going to like your work more, <laughs> right? Because they, A, they paid for it. The more you pay, the more you're invested in it, right? And, Ag and now agreed. they're going like to really like take you more seriously. So A, I mean, you're, you're making your nut and you're, you're doing a great job for your clients and they really appreciate it. And, and it's amazing because they're paying for it. It's crazy how that logic works, but it's, it's true in everything I can think of in life. Everybody wins. Yeah. It's so hard for people to take that leap though. Unless you know, it's my ex mixing my stuff, then it's like, just do that for free. I've paid you, you enough. You can do that for free. Yeah. In heartache. <laughs> <laughs> I've already paid. I know. Uh, yeah, it's true, though. I mean, think about how many. someone new. Think about how much. What do you mean? Like, it's hard oh, for someone who's like, starting out to finally be like, hey, I'm going to double my rate or finally charge or whatever it is. Because, you know, we talk ourselves down like, oh, I'm not there yet. We give every single reason not to think, well, I'm going to lose clients. In this situation, I, th I think almost every single time, forget the clients are going to lose. Those are not the ones that are helping you. Right. Those are the ones that are holding you back. Yeah, you know, 100%. You, you want the ones who are willing to pay. Clearly, that's the whole point is climbing the ladder. And I mean, I've had clients too that were willing to pay that just I've just known were going to be a headache. And I'm like, this isn't, I'm just not the right person for you. And I can yeah. see that and am fine with it. But I'm not mm. the right person for you. So I have a friend. You should go over there. You know? Some friend, you're going to give your friend a bed? <laughs> well, you know, people handle things differently. Some people just, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think since I've discovered that, like, it's been incredible. It's, re it's really been incredible. And I've done a lot of reading, like, from The Secret to The Law of Attraction by Abraham Hicks to Reality Transurfing by, uh, by Vadim, oh, what's his last name? I forget. Reality Transurfing. It's like an 800-page book. Hmm. Incredible. I'm almost finished with that one. So, you know, a lot of like meditation, a lot of just being like, I already feel like I have it. 
like with the BTS stuff, I was in Nashville visiting Julia and I had was sitting on the toilet and I was going to the bathroom, I was peeing, I wasn't pooping, I was peeing. And it was six o'clock in the morning and I was checking my DMs on Instagram and I was like, oh, that's interesting. This A&R that I had met when I was out there like a year before hit me up and was like, oh, hey girl, I don't work for that one label that I worked for anymore. I work for Big Hit. Do you want to top line a track for TXT? And in that moment, I knew that I was going to get a BTS cut. And I walked into her Julia's room and I woke her up and I was like, we're going to get a BTS cut. And then I think that was in December. And then three months later, we got it. That's great. Because I felt that I already felt it. I was like, oh, it's going to mm. happen. I already know it's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, that that was a lot of work. And don't get me don't get it wrong. Like over a year, I think I top lined 80 tracks for Big Hit. 80. And that wasn't even my full time job. So I never told them no, not once. And that was after that that DM, or was that prior? That was bef- that was when I got the DM to start submitting stuff for them. Right. Everything they sent me, I always did it. And I think that says a lot about. I think that's why people come back to me is because I'm consistent and I'm reliable. And when I tell you I'm going to get you something on Wednesday, I get it to you on Wednesday unless like someone's chopping my arm off. So mm. communication. And dependability are priceless in this industry. That's that's why people come back to me because they know that they're going to get communication and dependability. I can't yeah. stress that enough. That's awesome. Yeah, so. you're there when you don't even realize you're there. I mean, that was just earlier. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm always there. <laughs> you're always watching. always. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. So, it, and it's funny too the way those relationships work out. You know, you meet somebody and a year later, all of a sudden, they're just thinking about you. You know, you never yeah. know who's watching, who's thinking, who's listening, you know. So don't be and an idiot. No kidding, yeah. You never know. But, you never know who's around watching. Yeah. So BTS, you get um, – so how many cuts did you get on that record from 2020? One. I only one. have two songs with BTS, Home and On. Those are on different records. Oh, okay. Home came out in 2019. On came out in 2020. And then their other uh, band, TXT, that came out. In 2022, I have a song on the album with them. So three awesome. cuts with big hit total, which I think is like, man, not bad. That ain't so bad. <laughs> so, so, so the K-pop thing, let's talk about K-pop for a minute. Like for, for, for whatever reason in the States, it's like this new, like flashy, Phenomenon. awesome thing, right? Is that like, what, what's going on there? Like, is that, are there, is there like more opportunity there? Or should be, pe- should people be like checking that out as like an opportunity to like, look for work or, or specialize in a spot or, or how do you, do you think about that? Are you kind of like looking for opportunities or you just do your thing and wait for stuff to come to you? When I first started K-pop, it was because my friend Melanie Fontana was doing K-pop. You know, Melanie, she wrote um, a lot of BTS songs. And I was like, she's like, you have to do K-pop. And I was like, I have to do K-pop. So she linked <laughs> me with a friend of hers my friend Alex, and he got me my first single with this uh, girl group called Rania. They're now called Black Swan. Um, and so he eased me into the K-pop world. And then I got a sub-publisher in Korea, Fuji Pacific. And then they asked me if I wanted to come out and do a camp. And it was really after the first trip to Korea that I was like, okay, because I'd met all of the ANRs, And I was like, I love them. And K-pop is a different, it's becoming more... Americanized, but when I first started four years ago, it was, and it still is. Think of it like this. You have a band 
and everybody wants to shine. So everybody gets a certain part. And so all of those parts have to be equally as good. So you're writing for a group. You know what I mean? So it's like so many different parts that you have to think of, but they all have to be great because like they all need to shine. So it's a lot more melody and less space, I feel, than American music. Yeah, it's very like you could say like like busy, you know. Like there's just a it lot. It can be, yeah. It seems like, <laughs> yeah, because there's so many people. It's like a group effort. So, yeah. but I think it's becoming more like with a, a label that I work with in Korea, SM. They've taken a lot of songs from me. Um, all the songs that I've written for Taeon, I think there's three of them. They were all written specifically for American artists. And I've sent them over and she loved them. And it's like, great. So I think it, you know, it, it depends on whether it's a solo artist. It depends on the label in Korea. There's like a lot of factors. But yes, mm-hmm. if you like K-pop, if you genuinely like K-pop, do K-pop. You know, I think that I've, I, my experience there has been amazing. I've met a lot of people that I now call my friends that work at those labels. And they're awesome people. Korea's awesome. The food's great. The nightlife is awesome. I highly recommend Okay. <laughs> so I can't tell yeah. you about the soju. I've been sober for five and a half years, but I'm sure it's great. So. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, you know, songwriting, you're also diving into some production now. Is that right? I am. I'm taking Ryan Tutter's songwriting class online because I feel like you never know um, everything. So I like to learn. And also my roommate uh, was his MD for a very long time and our running joke in the house is that he just will not introduce me to Ryan Tedder and that is annoying <laughs> so I'm like I'm gonna manifest Ryan Tedder into my life because I've always liked to say that I was Ryan Tedder with a vagina hmm. I do <laughs> um but I'm trying to manifest him into my life so I signed up for this class so glad I did because the content is in- amazing and I was working out the other day around my neighborhood and I turned to my left and I'm like and sure as shit, it was Ryan Tedder. And I'm like, it's working. So I called my roommate and I was like, I just saw him. I'm one step closer. So by the end of this year, I definitely will. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to write with Ryan Tedder. That's so. awesome. I mean, he's doing okay too. I mean, he just signed this mega publisher, not publishing deal. He basically sold his publishing for, I mean, I think it was like three million trillion D gazillion D. There weren't enough zeros in the article that I saw. I would have sold mine for that much money too. I'd probably hold out for another thing <laughs> myself, but yeah. Good for I him. Like Four hundred million dollars is the the number I saw. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but and not and not even for the entirety of the the catalog. It's just like a portion of the catalog and a majority stake. I love that for him. Kudos. I love that for him. It gives me something to look forward to for my own life. So. So I saw. So let me ask you this question. Um. And I don't know if you know the answer. If you do, you're going to make a lot of bucks because I think everybody wants to know this. So, you know, Ryan Tedder, Bob Dylan, um, Jimmy Iovine, um, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham. Who, who am I missing? I mean, in the past two, three months since this interview airs, there's a lot of people selling their catalog for a lot, a lot of money. Um, how do, I don't know what they're getting out of it. That's the question. I mean, because I feel like a lot of people are very bearish on the value of music. How what is the company? It? What is the company getting out of it? Yeah, I mean, these are like you know Taylor Swift too. Like they're investment holdings companies. 
Yep. It's not like another songwriter is buying this catalog or even like a media company. It's like, you know, they're buying, you know, they're hedge fund managers basically. And like they're people on Wall Street and these groups are buying up this catalog. So I saw this post the other day on LinkedIn. I didn't get an answer yet. But it was <clears throat> it was one of the partners for, I think it was called KKR. I could get that wrong. The, the holding yeah. company that purchased Ryan Tedder's catalog. Yep. He said, I'm very proud to announce, you know, he's a partner in the, in the company. He said, we, you know, we just made this deal. And I asked him, like, you know, I would love to know because there's so many people that are really struggling with how to monetize their art the way they used to. I'm like, I'm not trying to make it. I know it's hot button issue. I'm trying to say this very respectfully. I'm not trying to Taylor Swift to you and make you feel bad. But, like, how do you, how do you, clearly you guys are bullish, but, like, what is it that you see that so many other people don't see that 400 In the value million, of money? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've got that much money, any smart investor is going to say, okay, if I have 100 bucks or 100 million to spend, what's the best place for me to invest it? It's not just like, is it going to work? Maybe. No, it's like, if I put it here, what if I put it there? And if, and if there is the better option, you're going to put it there. So they decided that Ryan Tedder was the best option for their $400 million. I don't so know. So Krista. So Krista. I don't. <laughs> but you know what I do know? The one thing about me that I really love is that I don't know a lot of things, but I know the people that do. So if you really want to find out, I'll call my lawyer because I'm sure he knows. We had a conversation briefly about it, and he was like kind of talking to me about it, but I wasn't like 100% paying attention. So I think that he <laughs> definitely knows. Um, mm. But I don't know what what this company is doing with that. Um, yeah, I don't want brought... to make it all about money because life's not all about money. But we want to do what we, we want to create our art. We want to live our life with continuing to do the dream that was – you know, audio and, and songwriting and everything else, right? So for, in order for us to continue to do that, somebody's got to be paying us. And for them to pay, pay us, they got to make more money than they're paying us, right? So like, I'm always trying to like figure out the answer to this question for clients of mine so that I can get go, hey, the reason you just paid me X amount of dollars is because you can now do this and get that much money in return, which makes, you know, what you just paid me a drop in the hat. And sometimes... I feel like not only do I not have that answer, but sometimes I feel like they're not going to even make back half of what they gave me. So how can I keep charging this money? <laughs> how much longer can I keep doing that? You know, that's my question Forever. for myself, really. Yeah. I think that money isn't a, isn't money. Money is freedom. Money is experiences. And so everybody wants to live their life and have the most experiences that they can. And money provides that for you. Mm. Um, I know that, you know, it's easier now for me to, and I'm not a millionaire, but that's going to happen this year too. But I did go from making $0 to six figures and it's been consistent for the last four years. And I'm really proud of myself for that because before I was making nothing and like my parents were paying my rent in this apartment that I was in and they were giving me $2,000 a month for a year. And I had to somehow pay my rent, pay the utilities. So that was what, like 1500 a month. And I had $500 left over for groceries and gas. It yeah. sucked. It was horrible. <laughs> and I was like, this blows. Like, I don't yeah. want this again. I don't want to think about money. Like, it's a waste of time to think about money. And so, and I'm not saying I don't. Sometimes I do. I just bought this house and now I have a mortgage. And so it's like ah. <laughs> my rent, like my roommate's moving out. My rent now or my mortgage now is double what I paid before. But you know what? It's going to be fine because the universe has my back and great things are coming. And all I have to do is sit down and do the work. All I have to do is know that it's coming. My bank account doesn't have millions of dollars in it yet, but I changed all of the the titles of my checking to um, I'm a millionaire is one of my savings accounts. 
850 oh, credit score <laughs> is my credit card score. Um, abundant lifestyle is my checking account where I just like, you know, have fun and, and like the extra things that I buy. So every time I'm logging into my bank account, I'm looking at these things going, oh, it's already, it's already done. It's already happened. I am a millionaire. It's great. And I think it's important not only to wake up every morning and be like, I'm alive. I obviously have this passion and this wanting to achieve something for a reason. Some, some power greater than myself put that in me. And so I'm just going to go ahead and do that because it is my path and it feels right. And then surround yourself with people of the same kind of mentality because you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most. So, you know, I just, on a side note, because I think, yes, I know that this podcast is not about this, but no, I just started 75 Hard. Have you heard of that? It's absolutely 75 Hard Challenge? It's all, it's, all about, it's all about removing the friction and figuring out the way. So everything you said, totally, totally it's, love that. So everybody can um, take a ton of value from that. It's a mindset change. Like I could tell you like, you know, oh yeah, it would be if you're a musician, a producer, whatever, like go out and, you know, get syncs and then go to Korea and like, you know, have Korean cuts and like get on sound better and do all of those things. But you can do all of those things and wake, like be in bed at night, lying awake going, oh my God, I'm so scared about like money. And I, and I have like $500 in my bank account, but my rent is like 1200 and I don't know how I'm going to make this. And like, the more you think about that shit, the harder it is for money to be attracted to you. Like you have to just be like, okay, everything always works out because it always does work out. Even if you have to borrow like $1,200 from your parents, if they'll do that, or like 30 bucks from a friend that's still it's working out for you because you have that friend that'll do that. Like, I'm just saying it's really great to know all of the different avenues you can go down to make money, but it starts here. So you have to do both. You know what I mean? Very cool. Love it. Now, this is coming from the same person that did have a really hard session for my Ryan Tedder class the other day because I really wanted to impress him because I really want to get this. I want to win this bet with my roommate. And I was sitting there writing a song called Negative Nancy and Negative Nancy was everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm shit. I suck. He's never going to like my stuff. I'm never going to meet him. I'm just going to literally. And I went for a drive, not on a cliff, but I went for a drive and I was like, I'm I'm really doing this to myself right now. And then I was like, that's OK, Krista, because it's going to make a better story once the song's out. So, you know. Everything's always working out. <laughs> I went on a rant yesterday. I saw this 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 girl was all excited. She just got her degree out of full sale. Full sale. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, and I want the full sale. So I wrote her a while ago and said, "Awesome, proud of you. You're going to do great." And then you know, in LinkedIn, if you make a comment every time somebody else comments, it pops up in your thing, and and it was to pop to my thing, and the first thing that caught my eye was. I got that degree and I didn't do anything. It's not going to work. I'm in marketing now or something like that. And I'm like, this guy, like, that's what you really want to tell somebody five minutes after they are just like fresh out of school, this new degree, like the world's your oyster and this guy like shit all over. And it's like, that's like the exact opposite of what you want to tell people. Like what you just said, like forget all that noise, clear it out. I told him like block this asshole. First of all, (laughs) like you don't need BS in your life like that. Just you don't. Whoever, and whoever is going to stand in your way, get them out of your way. Get them out of your life. Don't even look at it. I love that you changed the names of your checking accounts. That's hysterical, but also brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you got to give that and- energy back to those people and just be like, that was your experience. And you know what? I respect your experience, but that is not my experience. 
I'm so sorry about my dog. He, I have no, another okay. one, and he is so loud. But I love, I, I, you know, it's the idea that, like, if someone who's been successful isn't going to tell someone else who's trying to do something that they can't do it. No. When someone's some, tried and failed, that's, they that's love not to true. say that because, because, I, because I couldn't reach my dream, that means you can't either. So now I'm going to tell you, I've tried it. Don't try like you're not going to oh. meet somebody who goes, oh, I've I've done it. Go, they're not going to go to you and say, I've done it, but you can't do it. No, th- those people are usually going to be like, go for it. It's hard, challenging. Go for it, though. Not always. I've had no? I've, I've had different experience? no. I've had people that have been like more successful than me, and they're just like, eh, I don't know, man. It's just like not for you. Just <laughs> go do something else, and I'm like, really? Like you've gotten all these like plaques and awards, and I don't know about anybody else. I love plaques. I think they're great. Some people are like, I don't put my plaques on my walls. I don't put my my gold records on my walls, whatever. And I'm like, I do because it's a physical reminder of my damn accomplishment. And I'm proud of myself for that. And I can walk into a room and be like, I did that. And so buy a plaque if you get one. (laughs) You have to buy them. They're like $450. Yeah, I know. No, I don't have one either, but I've told myself the same thing about manifestation. I'm going to get one. When I bought my house. Yes, you will. So when I bought my house, I remember when we took the, the you know, the, we, we were viewing the home. And remember the joke, your moon man goes in your bathroom? That no. TV moon man for the, the, the yeah, video Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. The, the joke was always, where's your moon man? Oh, I keep it in the bathroom. Anyway, I went, walked in the bathroom and there was this moon man for Tears for Fears. So I remember we bought the house. I'm thinking, well, fuck, I'm not going to be the last. This is not going to be the only owner of this home with moon man or an award or something cool in the bathroom. So eventually... Mine's going to the bathroom. You know what you should do? You know <laughs> what you should do? You should get a picture of a moon man and you should frame it and you should stick it in your bathroom. So that it's way when you're taking a shit every day, you look at that moon man and you're like, I'm going to get actually one to put right here too. That's good. All right. I'm going to do that. I'll take a picture. I'll send it to you. Yes. <laughs> I love that for you. That's so great. Yeah. It is. And it, right. like that, the guy in the frame could actually be called Pooh Man. Man. But it'll actually Spoon be a picture of a moon man. just popped in my head as soon as you said that. Like Chris Cornell just singing Poo Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Poo and Spoon turn. don't go well together at all. That just no, makes me don't combine very those. upset. Uh-huh. <laughs> look, I mean, look, I know that there's lipstick on this, but like I drink out of this stuff. I'm like such a believer. Money is an unlimited resource and it comes to me in expected and unexpected ways. I made one for songwriters and it's like, I am an, I am a awesome songwriter and I love what I do and I make millions of dollars doing it. And I drink out of that one and I give those away to my friends. So every time they're having coffee, they can remind themselves that like they're rich. That's awesome. I could talk to you forever about this stuff. Um, But uh, you know, with the idea of wrapping up, I would love it if I loved what you said earlier about just saying I've got value and I'm going to, you know, put a dollar amount on that and start, start getting my worth. Do you want to sum up basically like anything actionable? You know, you've just, you've been spitting it out the whole time, but anything actionable, any takeaways that you could offer for people who are just starting trying to figure out like, how do I get to the next level? What do I do? Is it a mindset thing? Is it, what, what can they do that's going to get them to the next level this year? I would say if you can spend one year, if you're, if you're just starting out, I would say yes to everything. Yes to every opportunity, because the only way you're going to know if you don't like something is if you know that you do. So I would say yes to everything. It's number two, I would get into a, a, a meditation, um, 
like ritual every single day. I would meditate. They have plenty of um, money manifestations. I'm actually doing a uh, an album of meditations for creatives that's going to come out in the next six months. So you'll have specific meditations for whether you're a songwriter, an artist, a producer, whatever, um, do that every day. And also I, as a songwriter specifically, I keep, uh, a list of song concepts and ideas and things that like I hear people say in my note section of my phone. So I'm constantly adding to that because if you, if you open your brain up to receiving that information, you'll be amazed at the things that come to you every single day. And, um, I had something else and now it's just like, I'm not thinking of it. Shit. <laughs> well, this has been amazing, oh, Krista. So, wait, yeah. hold on. This is important. The last All thing right. to do is when you're first starting off, um, if you feel like you want to charge, but you feel like you're not, you're just starting off and you don't know how to do that. I would honestly, number one, recommend you get on sound better. Soundbitter is an amazing platform. And number two, charge what makes you feel good. Like I said before, bringing that whole back, the whole idea back of like doing what makes you feel good. If your starting price that you're like, I feel good about if somebody sat down with me for two hours and I made $100, then do that because nobody's price is going to be the same. So as long as you're feeding your confidence and you're feeling good about it while you're doing it, then that number will eventually go up. But start somewhere that actually makes you feel good. And I'm done Mm -hmm. now. That's great. That's great. So I think there's plenty to take away there, plenty to chew on. Um, I mean, really, like you just mentioned, it's really, it's so much more mindset than anything, you know? And I feel like that's a recurring theme for things I talk about on the show. It's, you know, you can't, you can't show up, charge money and do crap work. No. That's not going to work. But the talent and the output of the work is not all there is. Right. I sure. mean, there's so much more. It's just about like, you know, it's the confidence, it's the interaction, it's the, it's the showing up, like you mentioned, it's being there, it's following through. And being yourself, because so many people that I work like that I've worked with over the years, like artists and songwriters, they're like, oh, I like, you know, they try so hard to be like other people that are already successful. And it's like, we don't need those people. Those people are already there. I want you. Like, what do you have to bring to the table? And if you don't have anything to bring to the table, then maybe you shouldn't be at the table. You should be on a beanbag in a room smoking hookah. I don't know. But, like, be you. You know, I've, I've done it, too. I've done it, too, where I'm like, oh, I, I got I mean, to make this sound like this or I got to do this. And it never works out. It never mm-hmm. does. But when I love something and I'm like, I would sing this, then it works. That's awesome. Krista, thank you so much. Thanks for Super having generous me. Super with your time. Um, I'm just going to stay here and watch you for the rest of the day. Okay, I'll go back to my email and my notes <laughs> and I'll just not notice you again. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be here That's watching. Fun. All right, well, Krista's <laughs> going to just be there. Let me just say thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, for more information to get more from Krista or to reach out, uh, check out KristaYoungs.com. Um, again, you know, we, we met working on the same song. You know, forget forget what I say, but I mean, look at the credits. Um, fantastic, fantastic. Or uh, email me and we can collab. Done. There you go. Yeah. But so check out ChristyYoungs.com. Uh, don't forget, uh, free PDF guide, first steps on how to get some new clients, uh, some better projects. That's available at AdamClaremont.com slash client list. If you like this, please share it, give it a like, give it a subscribe, you know, and let us know. Reach out to Chris or myself. I'm sure she'd answer some questions uh, if you hit her up on social. Of course. Um, but yeah, just uh, don't be a stranger. 
would love to continue the conversation in the comments and I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks. Bye.